Popculture Pastor. All right. Good afternoon. Welcome to uh, the the program. My name is Dave. Cody's here. Greetings and shalom. Uh, we dropped a total flourishing on them. Yes, we did. That's like a, you just gave them the prayer for like complete life flourishing in one word. You're welcome. I mean, everybody that just heard that, you're blessed. You are. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> I don't know that hashtag blessed carries the same weight as just blessed. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag stop it. <laughs> um, hey, yeah, well, uh, welcome. This is the Pop Culture Pastor Radio Show, and we're here to, you know, carry you through your afternoon, and maybe we'll talk about something interesting to you. Maybe we'll play some songs that you like. All the songs. I, I can't take you seriously. You're wearing all that Chicago Bulls gear from like 1988. Um, Where do you even get, where'd you get that? He's okay. Like he's wearing like one of those members only jackets, <laughs> the Chicago Bulls. He's got like the ve- the very you know straightforward baseball cap, Chicago Bulls baseball cap. That's like the standard, um, but in like 1990. So this is probably from the early 90s. The hat is oh okay because it was my or it was my dad's hat. He was going to throw it away, and I'm like. No, you don't. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Because yeah, you look the, like the you quarter walked, zip. You is, look like you walked right out of nineteen ninety. Is something that was on sale one day, and I'm like, I love the bowls. I mean, you look like you left your starter jacket on the coat rack or something. Like that's the only thing missing. Yeah, and maybe oh. a sweet pair of Converse. So I used to have a legit starter jacket that was Chicago Bulls. Mm. Did you get worked over for it? Someone steal it from you? No, like I wore it forever and then it wore out. You remember that when people were getting robbed of their starter jackets? How dare they? Yeah, there's always the Raiders jackets, which. Why would you? Yeah, like the only place there aren't Raiders fans is wherever the Raiders team currently is. <laughs> why, yeah. do, why are there Raiders fans? They, how long has it been since they were good? Um, Rich Gannon. That's the answer. That's a long time ago. <laughs> so I came across um, this website called Preply. Danielle, that is um, basically with Valentine's Day coming up, they wanted to map out how countries around the globe express love. And I thought this was an interesting thing. So they did that um, one in the way that, you know, just the language, um, just very literally, how do people say, I love you? Uh, Here we say, I love you. Mm -hmm. That's, That's the English way to say it. But if you were in Mexico, you'd say, Te amo. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm told Te amo is a little intense. I just assumed it was Te amo based on my very remedial <laughs> Spanish knowledge. Your Spanish uh, one class. That I got in high school and college. <laughs> um, but it's Based on Duolingo. They actually say te quiero okay. is the more frequently used in everyday conversation uh, because it's considered to be less intense. Saying te, te amo uh, is supposed to be used on special occasions, it says, when expressing deep 
feelings of love. I so, passionately love you. So like if I came up to you in the voice of Enrique Iglesias was like, te amo. That would be appropriate <laughs> usage. Yeah. So te quiero. So yeah, te quiero. Quiero means want, right? Yeah, which is what I thought too. But there's there's subtleties in every language that I don't, yeah, yeah. that I don't think we understand. And so yeah, it's more than just the literal translation. It for for whatever reason, it just is the more common way to say it. Okay. And so saying te quiero is just like hey, if you were like around your friends, you were like I love you guys, it'd be like te quiero. Mm. Which again, yeah, literally Hermanos. seems weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh yeah it's it's just less intense uh but yeah so they say that there um iceland was one that stuck out to me because i thought it was cool it says egg elska pig i'm sure that's how they say it too yeah i'm i'm gonna say that's how they say it and elska pig pig. it sounds like an insult to me but uh (laughs) i don't know uh, we're talking about ways that love is expressed since mm. it's almost Valentine's Day. Yes. Uh, around Have you ordered the world. my present, by the way? What kind of present do you want? I'll take that as a no. Have you ordered me a present? <laughs> Maybe. You lie. <laughs> no way. It's on the way. <laughs> I, I, I got it. Sure, uh, sure, sure. Note to self. Order present for Danielle. Uh, in Argentina... Valentine's Day is celebrated uh, like it is in many other countries, but they also have uh, their own way of doing it. It's not just a day. It's a whole week. Semana de la Dulzura, Mm. which is a week of sweetness. Ooh, I love it. (laughs) Uh, it, That sounds very exciting. That's nice because it seems it has like a double meaning, right? It means like. Oh, uh, sweet, like chocolate. Tenderness, but then also like candy. Yeah. Lots and lots of candy. And also it takes place in July. They don't have it in February. So the Semana de la Dulzura takes Mm. place in July. And they say it's a time when people express their love and affection for each other through the exchange of sweet treats, candy. And so, yeah, I thought that was interesting. In Peru, instead of roses, which are kind of the usual thing in our area, uh, they exchange their native orchids. Ooh. I want to move to Peru. Valentine's Day. Just for the orchids. Yeah, I wouldn't even know what an orchid looked like. Orchids are beautiful. Uh, In in Guatemala, Valentine's Day is a very big deal. Uh, There's a large parade that goes through Guatemala City, which is called the Old Love Parade. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, The celebration sees older people dress up in colorful costumes and ride floats to celebrate love. I love old people in love. <laughs> you say I love old people. I, well, I do love. Old I love people, old people too. But I love. It don't make you special. Seeing, there's nothing more cute than a little old man and his wife. Those are that's just adorable. Oh, it must be a girl thing. Okay. I mean, I don't think it's not cute. I just don't notice it usually. I just think old couples are cute. <laughs> uh, the Dominican Republic and El Salvador both have a gift exchange on Valentine's Day. Similar to Secret Santa called Amigo Secreto. Ooh. <laughs> Secret friend. <laughs> so. <laughs> so that's like, I would, it's that's like Secret like Jim Santa. And Pam. Yeah, it's like Secret <laughs> Santa 
<laughs> except it's, it seems like it would be a time secret to reveal vow. your to secret reveal your crushes. Love. Yeah. yeah. So if you had a secret crush, everybody's waiting for amigo secreto. Mm. Which again, I like it. If you say it in your uh, Enrique Iglesias sounds voice, so passionate. It does. It sounds very romantic. Uh-huh. The amigo secreto. Yes. Anyways. Um, we should probably get back to the music. This is <laughs> this is Toby Mac with Amigo Secreto. <laughs> no, that's not that's not what he's singing about. So, what if we were going to celebrate Valentine's Day in Wales? Mm, I would like that. Is that my present? A trip to Wales? <laughs> well, in our hearts, <laughs> I would go. Let's go to Wales in our hearts and minds. Uh, that sounds boring. They celebrate Died Saint Dwinwin, which is the Welsh Saint Day of Saint Dwinwin. That's real. Okay. This is, I don't, maybe I'm not pronouncing it right, but it looks like Dwinwin. Okay. Uh, who is the Welsh patron saint of lovers. Uh, takes place on January 25th. So we, we, we just missed it. Oh. So wait, these places—they're not really sell—they're not really Valentine's Day. Well, no, this website just compiled the way we express love, so oh, it's oh, not gotcha, necessarily gotcha. a Valentine's Day okay. thing. And in Welsh, it's not Valentine's Day; it's Saint. It's uh, did Saint Dwinwin. <laughs> it's this well Saint's Day of Saint Dwinwin. Uh, and on this day, men traditionally give women handcrafted wooden spoons. <laughs> Would you like me to hey. handcraft you a wooden spoon? <laughs> well, there there's some kind of lore behind that. Same with like, okay, because, man, I wish that I remembered this. Your grandma, your English grandma, gave me a rolling pin before we got married. A wooden rolling pin. Okay. And there was something about that that was like English tradition. Oh. And it was like something kind of funny. Like, I don't remember the details. Maybe it had to do I'll with Saint Dwinwin. I'll have to look that up. Maybe it did. I don't know. Because there was something about a wooden spoon, too. But it must have something to do with that. I don't know. I'll have to look it up. <laughs> Maybe. It's, it just seems funny where you were like, are you taking me, me to Wales for Valentine's Day? <laughs> no, I got you this wooden spoon. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it has to do with like like the woman can use it to beat her husband if, he, if she needs to. <laughs> something goofy like that. In Germany, to tell someone you love them, you would say, Ich liebe dich. Ich liebe dich. I don't know. I'm, I'm probably murdering that. Yes, uh, I think you are. That, <laughs> that pronunciation. Uh, when romance is in the air on Valentine's Day, Germans will traditionally gift their partners ginger cookies and pig-shaped chocolates, <laughs> which are seen as, apparently pigs are a symbol of luck in Germany. Huh. Okay. So, Yeah. Learn something new every if day. If you didn't know that. In France, Valentine's Day is strictly for those in a romantic relationship, which, I mean, yeah, it's France. Makes sense. Uh, <laughs> with couples exchanging gifts and then going on dates. It's believed a French duke may have been the first person to send a Valentine's Day card. Oh, yes. Duke Ferdinand of Hallmark. <laughs> That's probably his name. He sent, <laughs> he sent poems and love letters to his wife when he was imprisoned. <laughs> Day forty-five in in cell block in cell block D. Your yours always Ferdinand of Hallmark. So I wanted to wrap up uh, our our segment here on how other places express love. Mm-hmm. Sometimes on Valentine's Day, sometimes on 
days special to their culture. In, in South Korea, China, Taiwan, Vietnam, and Japan, Valentine's Day sees the traditional roles here in the Western civilizations uh, reversed. Because on, on Valentine's Day in those cultures, it's women giving men chocolates. Oh. And so the the and so you know um, we could do that if you wanted, you know, just to. You don't like chocolate, though. No, that's true. I need something <laughs> different. But um, women give men chocolates on Valentine's Day in those places. The chocolate isn't just gifted to romantic partners. It says it's also given to friends and family members and colleagues. That's nice. Nobody feels left out, or you know, you maybe it's have... not just for the ro- the people in a romantic relationship, like in France. Yeah. So, you know, like if, They're more you, inclusive. You're, if you're that one friend in the friend group who's not married, you don't, <laughs> Valentine's Day is not a sad day for you. Uh, and then a month later on the 14th of March, those same places celebrate something they call White Day when men return the favor. It's not racist. It's just, <laughs> it's White Day when men return the favor and gift women white chocolate and marshmallows. Huh. Yeah. I, that's, Cute. It's interesting. Like, I, I want to know what the significance of the color white is in that scenario. Like, why? How'd that come about? There must be, there must be an explanation. Yeah, I don't know. In the Philippines, on Valentine's Day, they have a tradition there in the culture there, apparently, where couples get married en masse with hundreds of couples across the country saying, I do, at the same time. Huh. Like, there's a time on Valentine's Day where you get married and it's like a, it's supposed to be simultaneous. Like everyone does it at the same time. Like, it's like, it's like a super cheap wedding, huh? I don't know. <laughs> I, maybe you show up at like an arena and everyone's like, okay, get ready. Get your rings. You ready? <laughs> now <laughs> you're married. Kiss each other. Well, you know, your, your spouse, not that could get dicey with the, with the kissing. Okay, there's something we need to talk about, Cody. That that happened with the Super Bowl last night, and it actually got a you know it was a, kind of a big deal in uh, our parts of the world, being given that we're pastors. It is, and I want to talk about the uh, the Jesus gets us ads. Now, I will admit I have not done any sort of research on who put out the ads. Okay. So the, the Jesus gets us ads. Um, well, I honestly, I don't know why I wouldn't have. Okay. When I feel like there's research to be done is when I see something that gives me pause or gives me a little catch in my spirit, you know, or I find questionable, but the Jesus gets us ads. Did you watch them? Did you, did oh, you check yeah. them out? So I've been like, so from the beginning of the football season, I've noticed these ads just pop up mm-hmm. uh, consistently. And um, I'm like, this is weird. Like, uh, this isn't your typical Jesus ad. No, no, no. Uh, and I'm like, I actually kind of like this. And so at during the Super Bowl, there was a really moving one um, early on that my wife's like, that I'm choked up and I'm like, well, I can see that choking you up. I, I don't I'm, have emotions, yeah, but <laughs> the commercials were well produced. Oh yeah. The message they were trying to get across was powerful. And generally the message was, Hey, we fight a lot as humans, uh, but Jesus loved everybody. Yep. And like they address 
issues across the spectrum like, oh, Jesus was an immigrant. Jesus uh, loved those that hated him. Jesus uh, didn't disown uh, family and friends. I mean, like, yeah. it's all these it, common things that are, yeah, it that was, affect us. It was weirdly apolitical. Like, yeah. the, the commercials themselves were weirdly apolitical. It was just about this message. And I found that, I found it refreshing, actually, as I was watching it. And again, I didn't know anything about it. So you might imagine my surprise, Cody, to have woken up this morning and seen the firestorm on social media because I thought they were rather innocuous, really. Oh, yeah. I was. So the thing that kind of shocked me about it yesterday was just the fact that they got Super Bowl time. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it, just because those ads are Super Bowl ads cost more. Okay. And and if we're going like look, if we're actively looking to pick something apart, that's probably the lowest hanging fruit. Oh yeah. The that, like, is this the best usage of the money? That that is there's a discussion that can be had around that that I'm totally fine with. It's a reasonable discussion. Oh yeah. It, but also that's the most eyes you're going to get for viewing. As well. My only caveat to saying that that discussion is reasonable is let's let's not have let's not make that a, just a one sided discussion. Let's talk about that with the whole church because uh, oh yeah, every church is doing stuff with money that I, I, we could probably put in that category of like was that really necessary? Mm-hmm. Like so, let's self examine if we're going to have that discussion. But what I wasn't prepared for, which I guess I should have been, because. Here, here's the here's the real uh, conclusion to this story, Cody. He gets us. Jesus gets us. But apparently I didn't. I don't get us. Because looking back at hindsight, this was totally predictable. Yeah. Let me let me tell you what I mean. Here's the headlines. I just um, I, uh, I, I Googled he gets us and then went to the news tab. CNN headline. The truth behind the He Gets Us ads for Jesus airing during the Super Bowl. USA Today. Super Bowl commercial for Jesus? He Gets Us running big game ads. Slate Magazine. Super Bowl Jesus ad? Colon. Who paid for this campaign and what is it for? Well, they have a website. You could go see the website. Five things to know about the He Gets Us Jesus ad campaign. AOC blast Jesus gets us Super Bowl ads, says they endorse fascism. Like, look, here's what I'm getting at. The whole stupid ad, like, and I'll call it a stupid ad because it was just a dumb commercial, right? Yeah. Like, if Jesus was here, he's probably not using an ad. Okay, whatever. But it was just an ad. The whole point of the ad is to say, Hey, let's try not being oppositional. Like the messaging is actually a pretty good message for our time and place. Because what happened after the ad? Everybody was oppositional. Like, look, I'm just going to throw it out there, Cody. If your first impulse to watching that commercial was to do quote unquote research to go see who put out, who paid for the ads and what their political stances are, then you are looking to be oppositional. Oh, yeah. Like, you went looking to be offended. Literally, my reaction was, oh, that was interesting. And, oh, that caused me to think. And that's it. Like, if I wanted to know more 
about the ad, I probably would have gone to the website first because it, it wants you to go to the website to learn more about how he gets us. Um, but um, like when you start digging deep and then um, almost becoming an investigative journalist and start like putting it all out there for everyone else to see it you have played your cards i mean it doesn't even matter what we say anymore they created a commercial that was all about hey we should try not being oppositional that was the point of most of those commercials that we're fighting over things and maybe we should try not fighting over things that was the point of the commercial and yet the first thing everybody did was how can i fight over this and let me tell you cody it was not reserved to the progressive left. Oh, yeah. So these the reaction by, like, you know, super liberal folks, I should have seen coming. What I didn't see coming was the reverse. Christians who were annoyed by the he gets us ads. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it's on both sides of the <laughs> Christian political spectrum, if you will. And in case you thought, I was going to just point a point my finger at the liberal left. No, no, no. I'll say it again. If your first impulse after seeing those ads, which were like, look, you can say whatever you want about the people that paid for the ads. The messaging of the ad itself was apolitical. There was not, there was no politics in that commercial. If your first impulse was to see the commercial and be like, I need to find out who paid for that ad. Oh, just as I thought. They're anti-abortion. They don't espouse the real Jesus. Mm. If that was your first impulse, then you went looking to be oppositional and you completely missed the point of the commercial. Yeah. And I hate that I have to get on here and, and, and stump for a, what was just a dumb commercial. It was a commercial. Which it's interesting that we come to these moments in society that... What would be considered a universal truth, something good, um, <laughs> gets completely bombasted by um, a whole bunch of minutiae in the background. Even a broken clock is going to be right two times a day. Yeah, And so yeah. Ah, just because it is uh, wrong the other times doesn't mean that we shouldn't do when it's actually right or do the things that are right. And especially if it's coming from this place, it's okay. Yeah. The reaction to the commercial has proved the commercial, right? <laughs> like, yes, this is what we are now. We, we, we look to be oppositional. It is, it is first and foremost in our minds and it was funny how both sides of the far political uh, reaches went after the people, went after these commercials. And it was just like, I, I couldn't believe it. I had to go YouTube the commercial again just to make sure I didn't miss anything. Because we watched it down here at the Fire Escape, the Super Bowl, and it was loud. There were a lot of people here. I wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything. And I wasn't wrong. The commercial was really innocuous. And that was the message of the commercial that like, hey, we fight over a lot of stuff. We should try not fighting. That was the commercial. Oh. And our self-righteousness even gets in the way of that. People be jabroning. You know what's really true about all of this? He really does get us. 
He, he really does. does get us. And and somewhere Jesus is is sitting on his throne, just shaking his head like, oi, oi. That re- that one really went over their heads, didn't it? Daniel, do you have that one Christmas song that you really just can't stand? Is there like one that you just wish you never had to hear? I mean, I think you and I may be united on this one, but Christmas Shoes is pretty awful. Yeah. I really don't. I also really don't like Mary Did You Know. I really kind of hate that song. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not a huge. I, I think I've heard some people sing Mary Did You Know where I thought, oh, that was pretty. Like, yeah, it can be pretty, but I think the lyrics alone just, I'm like. Ugh. Yeah, the lyrics don't speak to me. I really, <laughs> I'm with you. I really dislike Christmas shoes. And if you've never heard one of my rants on this show before about it, I don't like it because here we are, we're Christians. And we're supposed to have this hope and joyful outlook. And someone makes a quote unquote Christmas song that is all about pandering to our grief and mourning emotions, Right. It, it, it's it's like a song about a kid whose mom's dying and he's going out to buy her last Christmas present, which is like so emotionally pandering. They're trying to make you cry. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm thinking like that's the opposite of what Christmas is about. And so that I, I understand people go through things at Christmas that of are course. hard. Yeah. But as Christians, we should be promoting um, hope. Now, we mourn with those who mourn. We weep with those who weep. Mm-hmm. But we don't have to make, you know, Christmas terrible songs, songs about, <laughs> about weeping. <laughs> uh, it's just, yeah, it's a terrible song. I just don't like it. Some people, these these people, they took their hatred of a Christmas song much, much farther than we have. Because all we do is talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Thomas Mazzetti and his wife Hannah have reportedly raised... More than $62,000 to buy the rights to a Christmas song that they don't like. So it goes way back. Hannah said her hatred of this 1984 tune began um, 13 years ago when she worked in a cafe in Oxford, England, where her boss allegedly played it on repeat. (laughs) That's terrible. She said, quote, I was studying English and worked extra to pay the bills. The owner of the cafe had planned for this super cozy holiday season and had his own made CD with a number of quote unquote hits on it. And Hannah uh, recalls that he was only in the the place that he owned now and then. So he didn't fully appreciate the agony that the rest of the staff felt when this song played for the 111th time in the working day. So uh, over, over there in England, Thomas Mazzetti and his wife, Hannah, they had a Christmas song. They really don't like that they really can't stand. We shared ours with you. Uh, Christmas Shoes by New Song. That's who, no no offense to New Song. I'm sure they're very talented and a fun and uh, good Christian band. But that song, no thanks. <laughs> uh, but the Mazzettis, they went even farther than just saying, hey, I don't prefer this. They have a plan um, because they hate Last Christmas by Wham. You know, last oh. Christmas I gave you my heart. That would be a bad one to hear on repeat. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that would be. Yeah, I could see how if you were hearing that on repeat, that would get old. Might be a problem, but they formulated this plan. <laughs> I Like now, and now I'm questioning why we didn't come up with this plan. 
to, uh, you know, buy the rights to Christmas shoes so no one would ever have to listen to it again. But this is what they did. They have this idea that formed in their heads. And uh, last Christmas, <laughs> when the couple <laughs> asked friends how much they would be willing to pay to never hear Last Christmas by Wham! again. So they started trying to raise money. And they said, actually, it turned out quite a lot of money could be raised. That people would pay quite a lot to never hear it again. So when the song started playing this November, she thought of this question that they had kind of asked in jest. And then someone told them it was theoretically possible to buy the rights to the song and take it off all streaming platforms. These people are really raising money for this. Isn't that song like in movies and stuff? Yeah, there was like a whole movie called Last Christmas. Yeah. With the, the you know, the one girl from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Not that I watched that. <laughs> Anyways, as of earlier this week, 327 people had pledged, because they they were on one of those money-raising platforms, a total of $62,000. They've raised $62,000 to buy the rights to Wham's Last Christmas so they can take it off all music platforms. That's wild. That, isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Now you're wondering, how much money do they need to raise? Uh, $15 million. <laughs> They need $15 million. That's so, like, listen, you might be okay with Last Christmas by Wham. I don't know where you're coming from. But imagine this. Yeah, that song you hate at Christmas, uh, it's worth $15 million. <laughs> so I can, I can sympathize with her, with their plight, because... Um, as a child traveling to Colorado, I will never forget, we had to ride in this van and listen for like 14 hours straight to none other than Kenny G. <laughs> 14 hours of Kenny G. And you know what? I can recognize today that Kenny G is a talented musician, but oh my goodness, I would pay $15 million to never listen to him again. <laughs> I, by the way, that story never gets old. <laughs> I love thinking of my father-in-law just really, really getting down to Kenny G. Oh, dad loved Kenny G. That's so weird. Shortly after Kenny G, it was Shania Twain. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a little bit more mainstream. I, my stepdad was really into Shania Twain. I mean, I don't know if he liked her music. <laughs> but he made it clear that he really liked Shania Twain, which never annoyed my mom. But, you know, it was just one of those things. He he, he loved my mom. It was a joke. Yes. Uh, but... Yeah, I could see that, too, because lots of people loved Shania Twain back then. But the Kenny G thing's weird. A little bit, yeah. And I might need to get Jim on the radio to talk about his weird Kenny G <laughs> love. Because, yeah, as you said, I can listen to Kenny G and say, oh, he's clearly talented. But also that this is not for me. <laughs> At least not for 14 hours straight. <laughs> but, like, think about the amount of albums Kenny G has sold. Justin Bieber just sold his entire music library for something like $400 million. So if you hated Justin Bieber music and you wanted to take all his music off music platforms, you couldn't do it unless you were like Elon Musk or something hmm. or Jeff Bezos. I don't know. Someone that had $400 million laying around. Right. But also begs the question, who did he sell that to? Who's, <laughs> who's buying like Taylor Swift did it? A lot of these artists do that. Who buys an artist's yeah, who music? Who are they selling their music to? Well, I think it's an investment. And does that mean they can't play their own music anymore? No, 
it means they just literally don't own the rights to it anymore. So someone else owns the rights. So it means that doesn't make sense. It means someone else gets the royalties because, well, because four hundred million dollars. Right like, now, look, yeah. if Justin Bieber says, I don't really care to keep track of all the royalties and stuff anymore. I'll just sell someone my entire library, but you got to pay me a lot of money for it. It becomes an investment for someone super rich. Yeah. And so $400 million. Now, listen, if if you wanted to buy Christmas shoes, that's not an investment. <laughs> no, you're not going to make money off that deal. And New Song could make money off that deal, but I don't know. Um, Yeah. Hey everybody, Dave here. What you have just listened to are bits and pieces of our radio show. We have a radio show on KFEX Firescape Radio located in Chanute, Kansas. You can hear that show from noon to four every weekday. So if you want to tune into that, you can go to www.kfex931.com or you can search KFEX in your app store on your smartphone and find their totally free app there. If you're a fan of Christian music, you might like to listen to our live show at when you're at work or uh, if you're a stay-at-home mom and you're, you, you like music in the house, you may love to listen to that during the day. So give it a try. Um, we would also direct you to our podcast, Pop Culture Pastor. That's probably why you're listening anyways to this uh, a version of what we do. As always, uh, subscribe to the podcast, follow us on our social medias on Facebook and Twitter. It helps us out when you share it, uh, when you review and and rate us on our podcast uh, homes. And of course, follow us on social media and share our stuff there. So thank you so much for listening. We love all of you guys so much. We have such a great community of listeners and uh, we'll see you when the regular pod drops on Friday.